Welcome to Canadians with Disabilities and Their Allies. My name is Brent Frayne. I'm the host. Today is round two of our round table. Round two of our round table, and we will just keep going round and around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, and today um, I have a huge panel uh, joining us today. Uh, there's going to be a couple more guests that I'm hoping that will be uh, definitely coming on to our round table, um, you know, maybe in a little while. Um, and if not, they'll be on our next round table. But yeah. today I have, I'm going to start with, I have Tom uh, joining me. I have Joseph joining me. Uh, and I have MJ here. And I have Alan. And we're just waiting for two other guests. Uh, that will be uh, Dan and Cassandra. If they are able to join on, that would be awesome. But with that being said, we're going to continue on where we left off on the round one of our round table. I'm going to start with Tom first, um, how important it is that we need to get the income out to people. Um, and I know there's a lot of different viewpoints on how we how we get to that. Uh, but how mm. important it is. I mean, money. I mean, money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... There's a, I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of confusion out there still, and I've seen both on the left and the right about um, basic income and, and the subject of welfare and how basic income, well, we, we have welfare state, or basic income is the same as welfare, and Joseph can probably um, um, come up, can speak to this as well, that, uh, as I've said before, basic income, the difference, one, for me, that one of the differences is you can lose welfare, which is one of the disincentives in welfare, which is, you know, um, that it it has these like um i call them invisible tripwires where both you have a high marginal tax rate that makes it like as hugh siegel said um the late senator hugh siegel um that you're taxed back dollar for dollar in welfare and disability is a little bit better but there's still that kind of feeling of oh i don't want to do the wrong thing and then all of a sudden i've lost that that little bit that i have and um so there's there's that and then there's also just just the fact that like i want people to have the feeling of of security unconditionally that's just there as a right as a rule you know and and that of course like you know brenna said and i've said the money the money doesn't disappear it flows right back into the economy which makes everyone better off around you as well um this is what they've seen in in pilot after pilot like in um in Ontario, there was that one, um, uh, what was it, in Lindsay, Ontario, the, the place uh, Fresh Fuel, where they saw, not, not only did, were they supported by the basic income, but they started to see all those new new customers coming in mm. because they had money to spend. <laughs> so it's a lot like, it's it's different to welfare because of the same things that 
you know, Guy Standing of left-wing economists and Milton Friedman, the famous right-wing economist, have both said the same things. Like Milton said, once people get on, we make it entirely impossible for them to get off because they'd have to leapfrog to a really amazing job. Otherwise, it's not even worth trying. So you want to make it so that people can get off gradually and they, you know, and and with um, there's actually a disability advocate um, named on Twitter, her name is Miss Design Diva, and she said it really well as a person now on disability was that she had an invisible disability. Um, and so it took her for it took her ages to get off welfare onto disability. So mm -hmm. while a person's waiting, like they should be above the poverty line, not down here at like 900 or whatever the hell it is in BC. And I believe it's worse in other provinces as well. When, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the poverty line is far higher than 2000 or 2200, but they should be sitting at 900. That's crazy. And in, yeah, in a situation where you're worse off for trying, like I say. So. Oh, you know, there's so many people that, that are um, disabled that are disabled that are on income assistance that are pending yeah. because all the red tape all the bureaucratic uh, garbage that yeah. goes along with it and they just kick them down when they're down and they say well are you looking for a job uh, can you prove yeah. it and show you yeah. show me the employer's addresses their phone numbers uh, i mean etc yeah. you know and yeah. Uh, yeah i mean those the people that are already suffering i mean yeah. the system actually is, is designed to keep them down yeah, but but I, apparently, apparently, yeah. the system is not discriminatory <laughs> because there's been, so, there's been so many people that have tried, including me. <laughs> and they, I keep being told it's yeah. not discriminatory, Neil. It's just unfair. It's not. Yeah, it's like I've listened. I've listened to the other episodes, and like I say, it's like well, it's, not, it's, 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 it's not discriminatory. It discriminates to everyone. It's like that's, that's right. It's, you know? it's not discriminatory. <laughs> if, if, if they, oh, you Hang on, hang on. If you show what up is... to their office and you know you're in a wheelchair and you have a you know five hundred documents from your doctor, you're still gonna wait two and a half years. Yeah. 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 And so who would take who would take a risk of work? And like the stuff that I've learned about, like I was it was a posting today about about rent. And I, I posted uh, from CBC and I put underneath it. More people need to learn what round capitalism is. <laughs> you know, that's why I keep trying to push that stuff out there because it's like there's there's so much going on and it's been kind of like this perfect storm, like it's a punk for capitalism. Yeah. Since yeah. like we went from less paternalism to more paternalism with the neoliberal movement. And that's what brought brought in the hardcore thing and and it's all over the world. Like in the UK, it's universal credit, which they said it was designed to be cruel. In America, it was Clinton saying this is the end of welfare, and they brought in TANF, which is Scott Santons can tell you it's just terrible. And then here in Canada, we had um, what's his name, uh, the late Jack Layton, his book on homelessness, which is absolutely awesome. Everyone should read that. And he explains how we, we used to be the leader. You used to be the leader of the world for affordable housing. Now we got the UN coming at us for the fact of our housing. <laughs> you know? yeah. and it was all in the Actually, same period, just a... like all over the Western world, same story you know so you know the, today, the, uh, that uh, the housing in bc yeah. uh actually was at a negative over yeah. the last like few years because they sold a piece was it manitoba or was it bc i think it was manitoba yeah uh, but they sold a piece of like an apartment building to the private sector that negated all of the wins they had for years in affordable housing units yeah Oh. And like my friend um uh, who works here um he he volunteers with great people his name is Kim Hines 
and he um uh, I think yeah Brent you've you've talked to him and he was he was showing me uh on, well showing everybody on his channel which is a living living and lived experience of homelessness network Lehon and mm-hmm. he was talking about how like these people with, uh, that are homeless including indigenous elders we're we're in, the, we're in the middle of the TRC thing indigenous elders and how um they go to them they 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 sweep their stuff by law and police would sweep their stuff take it over here make them sign something and say you signed this if you sign this you can never come back to this spot again <laughs> it's like just you know, it's like, and there's yeah. the comments being enclosed, ladies and gentlemen. You know, yeah. that's exactly uh, what like Ryan Chris would say. Like, you know. One yeah. of the things that really concerns me uh, is this whole idea, and now I think it's happening in China right now, mm-hmm. but it's coming down the pipeline. This digital uh, identification. Now, I oh, don't God, walk yeah. around with a tinfoil oh. hat on my head, but yeah. I see so many implications for uh, control. Like, yeah. You got a digital ID, which means if you're disabled, you can't go to the LCBO. We're not going to let you go to a casino. We're not going to let you buy X, Y, and Z items. If you do these things, your amount goes down. Or yeah. I don't know how they would do it, but yeah. I could see uh, I, I, I could see uh, the digital ID becoming a prison without walls. Yeah. No, we yeah. have we have accessibility laws in Canada yeah. to prevent that. Uh, We must have a physical passport. You can't just have a digital passport. Uh, You know, there is no, there's 200 and change companies in the world or or countries in the world. Not all of them have the technology to read a digital passport. A lot of them, you still have to be manually walk into into their airport and they need to inspect it manually because they don't have a computer to check it. you can't just force upon an economy a digital ID system. The the accessibility that we would need for that would be paramount. People that are disabled that are blind, you would need uh, you know a, a copy that they can't see. Well, I I can see it being a card, unfortunately. Well, you well, you know, always going to have to have a physical form of ID, but the digital form of ID will make it easier certainly easier and more accessible for people but i mm-hmm. doubt that they're going to ever get transformed into just a digital it, it's the same thing as the currency they're not going to have just a digital currency we're always going to have a paper fiat well it, it's, it's like you know most of, right now. most of the currency that's actually used over 90 roughly 95 percent plus is actually digital already right quite literally true but right? but there's not, st- Right, eliminate the physicality of it without having an accommodation. Right, and, and you we know, don't have that yet. It's like with mm-hmm. the digital idea, the digital currency. You know, the other talk is the whole idea of the social credit score. I know yeah, it right. sounds, you know, sounds futuristic, but or you know, and science, you know, sci-fi. But <laughs> you know, that talk is out there, and if they go this route, it will be a digital prison. Yeah. Right. Um, and, yeah. You know, from, I mean, I'm it's already, of, you know, it's yeah. already bad enough for the people that are disabled. Right. Yeah. For those of us that are on disability. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people oh, out there that, uh, you know, with severe mental disabilities that can't wouldn't be able to grasp their head around all of this type of stuff. So, yeah. I mean, this the is where Canadian demographics are leading more towards more people retiring than actual younger generation. We've already passed it. We're yeah, already we, right. got more retired than working age. 
I highly doubt that Canada is going to transition into a digital-only society because we have too many people who can't grasp that yet. Another 15, 20 years from now, maybe, but not now. Otherwise, uh, there's too many hoops to keep jumping through. Well, you yeah. know, the funny yeah. thing is... um. My worker is demanding that I give her all my uh, notice of assessments on CRA and all my bank stuff going back to 2020 to see if I'm still eligible for ODSP. Uh, my worry is that what if I was to the point where I could barely navigate Facebook, let alone try and figure out how to get onto my CRA? So with, it, with things like digital currency, where you have to jump through these hopes, especially as someone with uh, intellectual disabilities or sight or hearing, this is just, it's, it's a scary slippery slope. Well, well, here, well, here's the thing for you, Alan. Um, imagine if, uh, in, in some cases, uh, I, I don't know, in Ontario, I know in BC, uh, some recipients, uh, PWD recipients, can still get their checks by physical snail mail, right? Canada Post. A lot of it's uh, a lot of the workers across the country in different provinces, they all want to go automated, right? So have it automatically deposit CRA wants it that way too. It makes it a lot easier. But here, here's the thing for your worker, right? If you had a uh, check given to you uh, physically, right? And you don't have a bank account, you went to Money Mart, which I don't tell people don't go to Money Mart to cash your check. But imagine if you did. So she wants to have a, a whole bunch of statements from a bunch of months back or years. Say, I don't have a bank account. What is she going to do? Or he or she? Yeah, They actually or, can tell whether you have a bank account or not. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's terrible, though. I mean, it, it's it's like the old saying when, when I, I used to talk on, on the show about this. How much change do you have, Brent, in your pocket? Right? <laughs> I got 25 cents. Remember we had the pennies? I got a nickel. Oh, hang on. I think I got a penny, but it's stuck under my wallet. Just give me a sec. What do you mean <laughs> under your wallet? Yeah, I, yeah, because something's jabbing me in my leg here. Oh, wait a minute. That's my keys. Oh, yeah, there's a penny there. Yeah, here we are. And I threw it on the desk. What, what's that? I go, a penny. She goes, penny for what? I go, a penny for your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, and then I lead forward, right? She goes, get away from my stapler, please. I go, what? I want to stick yeah. the documents together. You know, the yeah. paper bills. I got a, a $20 bill and a $5 bill. I want to staple it. She goes, whoa. You know, but I mean, I was being sarcastic to her, like making a point, like, why are you doing this? Like, there's no need for this garbage. Mm -hmm. And they, they stopped. They stopped going forward. Um, well, all I know is that I've got um, a letter, a report that was done by the, for the DSO, uh, by an organization called Professor Psychologist, the whole bat. Mm -hmm. And... Um, if my worker wants to say, oh, I don't think you're eligible for ODSP, I'm pulling the report. And mm. if I will go over her head without even blinking an eye. I will be like, this is harassment. I've been on ODSP since 96. The moment I get a job, I'm suddenly under the microscope because you, uh, well, I it's, fall, you know, like I was just reading it. I was just reading a report by the city of Calgary and they actually did a report about uh, in regards to age. And one of the things that they actually talked about is the fact that, that the rules around, and this is in every province. It's just that this one was commissioned here by the, by this, our city council um, that, that it's 
working when you when when somebody goes to work it's too punitive they, oh. they basically said it was too punitive because of you know what they put you through for one and how the deductions are managed and the microscope you put that it's too punitive for a lot of people to work even if they want to mm-hmm. and so it it actually is a deterrent mm-hmm. and oh absolutely is they, uh, it is and, they and we got people they set you up for fail automatically here like the first one thousand and seventy two dollars is is 100 exempt and then everything after that up to 2009 is 50 percent. so if you made the full 2009 you'd get about 325 or 350 around there taken off but most people because the math is just it's just too overwhelming for them they're afraid Mm -hmm. to make over the thousand and seventy two because it's going you know even that small deduction in the grand scheme of things, it puts them into, you know, it's trauma, right? It's just the trauma of having to figure out how much of my check are they going to take as is my, you know, like. Well, yeah, and it's a worrisome, right? I mean, it's a constant uh, worry that people have as a person with disability already having to deal with with their disability as it is without having to worry about um, or how much are they going to deduct off? I think it should just be unlimited amount, amount of earnings a person wants to or can make. So let, let them make it. I mean, yeah. Well, and because- how much does a person living if you've been a, yeah. if you've been eligible for a disability program, how many people actually, when they start to work, manage to make enough that they could actually yeah. give up? I, I mean, yeah. it, it's yeah. so few and far between. It it just makes no sense, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and because there are employers like they'll you know say, well, I can only work so many hours, otherwise I'm going to start clawing that off, and they'll say, okay, so you're limiting yourself down or uh, yeah, it's just so much red tape. It's the bureaucratic stuff, and it's just they, they, could, they could save so much time too by saying, "Listen, if you have a part-time job, or you make the in Ontario anyway, you make the allotted thousand dollars or mm-hmm. and or over, then you have to report because it's a mute point if you're under the thousand dollar threshold anyway, and they would be able to carve out so much time wasted." on reporting and whatever you know you, you get your you get your t5 from odsp um you let your worker know you're working and then you tell them hey i got laid off but i haven't um i haven't gone over the thousand dollar mark right so right. i haven't reported it but here's Can another we- we have we have uh, annual reporting here like so they can put you on like if you're working every month then you're just monthly but if you're a sporadic worker they'll put you on something called um annual reporting now the government we got in place kind of changed what that means but it used to mean that you only had to report your earnings once a year and then it would be deducted on the year moving forward spread out over the whole 12 months uh so if you only work two months but you made like you made $5,000 in that two months, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't have to be deducted or miss a month because they would just spread that and divide it up over, over the yeah. 12 months. B, right. uh, B, in BC, they did that for, uh, Jesus, going back years now, but it was done that way for a while where um, PWD could, if you had a seasonal job and you made up to like $70,000 and say, oh, I don't know, maybe... Uh, you know, four or five months, just for instance, but the rest of the year you, uh, you had, you, you know, it was seasonal, you wouldn't work. Yeah. Now, now basically you've now made your quota. You can't, even if you pick up another part-time job, they would be hundred percent 
clawed off you for the rest of those months. Yeah, so that was quickly changed. Um, yeah. I don't know what the overdraft, like if you get, they say they look at my amount, they say, according to your bank statements and, and assessments, uh, we figure you've got a thousand dollar overpayment. Do they just take like a certain amount off your check each month, or do they hold your amount until it's paid off? ODSP is not allowed to garnish more than three percent of your basic check each month, and then they just keep applying that three percent to your overpayment balance until it's paid off. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay, because so. Uh I'm only so basically receiving... for first ODSP is like I think it's like thirty-five dollars is the most they can be garnished or something like that. I'm my ninety percent of my rent goes directly to my management company. I get right. whatever's left over, so it's like hundred and eighty bucks or something. Mm. We have two hands exactly. hands raised, yeah. uh, Brent, for a while. Oh, okay. uh, we got Tom and we got MJ. I don't know MJ's who was first. first so. MJ was yeah. first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, MJ, go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to these stories, and this is why, you know, I came to the point of uh, universally available basic income or guaranteed basic income or whatever, wherever it's going to be designed as, you know, I mean, probably Tom and I are probably almost on the same page of just coming at it from different directions, you know, mm -hmm. and the idea here is to eliminate this type of abuse and this type of nonsense of having to go and prove your worth to go and yes. get assistance from the from the government. I mean, it's, you know, it's the same thing as if, you know, when you get to 65, you, whether or not you're going to get enough in CPP or whether or not, you know, your unemployment, whether or not you quit or fired or you're injured on WCB, it's all of these things. They sit here and they create all of this nonsense to sit here and put us through hoops to basically torture and abuse us to some point in purpose. I don't know, uh, to, you know, to me, I just think that eliminating this nonsense and just saying okay take it or leave it here's x amount of money this is what you get per month also there's the option to be able to go and purchase the group health insurance which will cover you know basically it'll be like blue cross because in bc i don't know if you know brent we are covered under blue cross they just go and make it so that uh, we have to jump through hoops and uh, to go and get the actual support so they put a line of defense in yep. between us and Blue Cross to actually go and get, you know, to get and get use the insurance. So, you know, to me, it's like, let's get rid of all these hoops. Let's get rid of all this stuff. You know, here's an option to go and get insurance, you know, 20, 40, 50 bucks or whatever, whatever it be a part of the big group plan for everybody. We get you all on board. We get this down to a science where everybody has insurance. They can get the support they need. And, you know, if there's stuff that won't be covered by insurance, then the government just says, fine, we'll cover it because the insurance side of things will cover a lot more and a lot of stuff versus, you know, having the, for the government to have to jump on board and say, yeah, we'll do it. So mm -hmm. once we get all of this stuff done, dealt with and got out of the way, the idea to me is absolute simplification. And this is the yeah. problem we have is there's yeah. just too many hoops. Well, that, you know, the that's the thing, MJ, is, uh, you know, as we all keep hearing from governments, from whatever angle it is, whatever party it is, uh, from whatever level it is, oh, there's more to do. And when we tell them that the system is completely, you know, white, it needs to be completely restarted or reboot, you know, <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, logical and, you know, things that we say that make sense, they say, oh, there's more to do or we have your back. Don't worry. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Right, they, yeah, right. They never do. 
So, yeah. I mean, this, so this is to me, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, listening to these stories and I'm like, this is where a guaranteed income of some sort or universal available basic income or whatever we call it or come to, mm-hmm. we just get this out of the way, get, you know, get rid of these people that are there just to go and make things even more difficult for us. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think if we solve these problems this way, I think we'd actually see a lot more people that are happier and for people that are, are, are in disability, maybe that would reduce the amount of prescriptions they actually have to take for being depressed or whatever, because mm-hmm. they would have less stress and less worry because they know they're going to have a good amount of money coming in and it's guaranteed. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and they've studies have shown that guaranteed income reduces the amount of depression on, in people. So if we can reduce the amount of depression, that means we're going to also be saving on healthcare. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that means our healthcare costs now inv- inevitably go down, you know, so we are doing two for one, right? This yeah. is a two for here. Come on. Yeah. How, can you, how can you not go yeah. and say yes to that? Two for one is great except for pizza. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and that, that stuff. Well, and that kind of blends into, um, you know, it's going to reach over to, uh, to Alan here too. Uh, um, I mean, who else had their hands up? Well, let's here? go to Tom first because Tom, Tom had his Tom hand first, up, and then we'll go to yeah, like, like, yeah, going off, and, going off what MJ said because yeah, yeah we're pretty much in agreement. <laughs> but I uh, like the, the, um, after you. Sorry, Tom. Go ahead. Okay. Um, like, if we started, I'll take the hand thing down. Um, we uh, let's see. We start. I started the thing with uh, talking about how you know, like, well, isn't isn't we have a welfare state, and some people say basic income and welfare are the same thing, which of course they're not. Uh, well, welfare was designed back in the day when horses were used to deliver goods. I mean, it's it, it's been that long since we've had this thing that's only been made worse through the neoliberal um, market fundamentalist movement, uh, which happened after the whole, what we were talking about last time with Expo 86. We now have the precariat kind of reality where people have jobs that are a lot more kind of like, let's say we say fluid or like, it's like you have this one for only a little time and then this goes away and then that happens. And the welfare state wasn't built for that kind of kind of kind of industry. Mm-hmm. It was built for mm-hmm. the kind of industrial world of before that just it's just gone. And we were talking about before. Now it's a while back now, <laughs> but yeah, but um, the situation with um, the social credit now. I kind of had a front row seat to watching all this kind of stuff arrive back in February 2021. And that was because Trudeau did the Emergencies Act, which of course freaked everyone out. And what pisses me off is how these anti-UBI guys who already believed in the kind of New World Order conspiracy theory from, ni- from 1965 just stapled basic income to it going, haha, got them. And that's basically what happened. As of that point, all of a sudden, because I'm I'm always looking on Instagram for new content. I'm always looking on YouTube for new content. This stuff started popping up like crazy um, <laughs> because they were all sharing it with each other. And it's like, it, with this, you know, it's like, think about how things were back in 86 versus how they were in 2021 when it comes to people's yeah. fears, when it comes to how they feel about government. You know, like, this is oh, something like that... TikTok, it's way worse. Yeah, like like uh, there's oh. a, a, a blog tragedy of trust, which references something Scott Santon said, which references something that Nixon's uh, administration, Sean Patrick Monahan said, we'll have a breakdown in trust of of society towards government, towards institutions, and that's exactly what's happened. So oh the, literally, we need basic income to start that trust again, and that's what happened in Finland, where a basic income was put in, and one of the things they saw was that trust increased. Because all of a sudden you're being invested in, like we're starting society based on trust 
not suspicion, yeah. which is, right. you know, like you start that process and we can start coming back. And the other thing I remember from um, listening to. It, it sounds like game. another, it sounds like another Billy Joel song. Yeah. I like the parallel that you used there, Tom, about yeah. 19, about Expo 86 versus yeah. 2021, yeah. because it kind of reminds me of, of the uh, McBarge and, 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 you know, kind of uh, it reminded me of a post, uh, Joseph, I, I read uh, about the McDouble cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. My first job was McDonald's Mount Newton back in 92. But, um, but, um, yeah, like I did a, a blog about this, but it was, I just had something. Oh, girl, um, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like, who would write, who would write a song like Future So Bright? I'm, I gotta wear shades now. Like, you know, we had yeah, this kind yeah. of, like, when I was a kid in Langley, um, uh, I, I went to Langley Central, but, uh, we had the library. Hey. And, and, <laughs> and, uh, I remember this book of like the future and flying cars. We'll get on it. It was like back yeah. to the future with the fly, with the floating yeah. skateboards. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, it's all this kind of like, Oh my God, the future is going to be this way. Yeah. Like Hilda Latour of Bien said like, look, if, if a basic income is all about unconditionality, mm -hmm. programmable money is not unconditionality and should be completely rejected. And like, it's, it, it would not make a country better having that kind of crap to begin with you'd make your situation worse mm -hmm. and then you'd have to deal with the fact you've made your situation worse <laughs> and for like it, it like when i just if if the wealthy and powerful actually wanted basic income all along well what mm -hmm. the hell is it what's what's taking them so long <laughs> in which case the idea has been around since bertrand russell in 1917 so yeah wow. to me it's the, this idea that they're they, they're going to introduce it to just to control you. It's just like, oh no, you know, like, yeah, there was one other point I wanted to make, which I, I, I remember I wrote this one down. Uh, there was a country, it was from the recent Bien Congress in Seoul. Um, one guy was talking about how you could have two different kinds of what, um, like for emergencies, emergency basic mm -hmm. incomes, like what we had the pandemic, either dial up or on off. And on off is what we had with CERB which was mm -hmm. a total disaster. I mean, like, you know, it, it, it had good things about it. There were people who benefited from CERB. Right. But it was like, there was all this kind of who got served. Now we got a clot back, blah, 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 blah. Versus, well, we'll dial, versus dial up, which, yeah, mm -hmm. which which is where you you can have a basic income. Everybody's already signed up. Like you think about like in BC, we had the basic, in no, no. We had the BC recovery benefit where everyone yeah. got 500 bucks. But it took months to get oh everyone gosh, their five hundred yeah. bucks. Yeah. So if everyone if everyone's already signed up on their basic income, like like basic income is a right that's there, whether it's GLBI or whatever, you're already it's just there. Like GLBI, maybe it's down here, but you could go right. Everyone needs it. Up it comes. You know, mm -hmm. like like Evelyn Forge said it. If we had a basic income, public servants would have had a lot more sleep because <laughs> you could have okay, everybody, let's go. <laughs> And everyone just well, goes up. Done. See, here's a, here's something to think about, Dom. Is yeah. how much money are we already spending on all of the benefit programs, yes. right, all across <laughs> oh. the country? Like we have 13 provincial jurisdictions. Then we have yeah. the federal jurisdiction for 14 jurisdictions overlapping yeah. on multiple of the same exact programs, right? Mm -hmm. Evelyn, Evelyn says like 125 programs or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, <laughs> okay. And then you take a look at the cost to administrate all of that. And yeah. it's like, well, if that was all going directly to the people, we wouldn't need all of this. Yeah. And if, you know, to me, simplification yeah. is the best move here. 
I mean, yeah. and here's something to think about. A lot of these people that uh, that would be um, working in government, they're working for less than they would receive in the private sector for the same or similar job, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means in the private sector, they'd be making more money, which means they'd be paying more taxes into the system. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's a double benefit in all in changing this around and simplification of all these benefit programs, because yes, we can say, well, there'd be free training for those that need it because, you know, being good Canadians, you don't throw, you know, we don't throw people out with the bathwater as per se. We try to help everyone the best we can. And if they need to be retrained, so be it. You know, I mean, we should do what we can here. And this is where with all these programs, student loans and all the rest of this stuff that's all here, you know, all and all these benefit programs that are all over the place bumped into everything, just one program mm-hmm. with the option to take it or leave it or go and take it at this amount of money. And you can ramp it up to a maximum of this amount of money if you truly need that much money. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you only need two grand, you can say, oh, I want two grand or you need your maximum, say, we'll say four grand. You can take that. Right. Yeah. I mean, either yeah. way. Well- you can guarantee that with the cost of groceries and, and whatever, that you're probably going, if you want to eat healthy and, 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 and not end up in emergency due to the lack of diet or whatever, you're looking at probably 225 a week. Yeah. Times oh, that by four weeks. Like, that's kind well, that's, of given. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so, why and, and, then they're, and they're like, they're going, well, you got 300 bucks. Best of luck to you in the food banks. But yeah. we have to tell you go to the food banks and they're not, uh, they don't want, they're, they're so low that. Um, yeah. And all they got is garbage food to give you. I yeah. Got, yeah. Um, I just want to quickly, because <laughs> of food, food banks, I've talked about this before and I've shared this online. So I don't, you know, my loved yeah. one has diabetes. Uh, she has sodium intolerance. And what's the other one? Um, we will. We both have lactose intolerance. I have a more aggressive version of IBS than she does. What food? Oh, yeah. And she also has allergy to tomatoes. What food bank food would we have? Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Where having your own money is huge. chemical. Noodles. But, uh, yeah, exactly. But it's like, as, as Senator Hugh Siegel said, I just looked this up. The cost of keeping someone unhoused is fifty four thousand one hundred and forty four per year. The cost of keeping someone incarcerated is one hundred and twenty five thousand four hundred sixty six per year. The cost uh, of poverty is not free. <laughs> it's actually double a full tilt UBI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. exactly. And you yeah. know, and I'm I'm maxing out at four. You know, I've done the math of maxing at four grand, right? Yeah. Because I mean, when you take a look at the cost of living. The cost of groceries, cost of gasoline, I mean, is, you know, I don't know if, you know, we don't really think we need the carbon tax. I mean, personally, yeah. it's not uh, helping keep our groceries uh, low because. Well, it's, it's not prog- right. it's not progressive enough. It's 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 supposed to be you get you you tax the money and it's a Pagovian tax. You tax the money and then you, it's paid back, which some people go, well, that sounds crazy. The idea is, is that like it's almost like with smoking where it's like, you know. Smoking's that was money was heavily taxed. Like the actual cost of it is way down here. But it makes you go, well, maybe I won't buy cigarettes. Or with the car thing, it's like maybe I'll save up for electric, or I'll put in some solar panels or whatever. So that's the idea behind it. But the problem is, it has all these other things where it hits the groceries and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But that's another thing where also you get Ronteism in in there as well. So, but yeah. Um, that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Well, you know. what, what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to get uh, Alan's take on um, 
regarding uh, RGI for housing because it's related to income. Because if you have less, uh, you know, less money going to your landlord, I mean, from your from the person's uh, point of view, in more money in your pocket because you're going to put it back in the economy. And at the same of the day that you know the landlord is still going to get their money because they're going to get that subsidy amount. I'll get uh, Alan's view on that. Then I'll actually I'll get uh, Joseph's view, and uh, now move over to Cassandra, and uh, get her take on the rent portion. I know Cassandra <laughs> will be will be talking about that part. Uh, you know, rent the shelter. So I'll we'll, I'll dive into you in a little bit on that one. But first, I'll go to Ellen. Uh, how do you Just how quickly? I I don't have long, guys. Yeah, okay. Um, that's yeah. I have put my hand up because I don't have long, okay. and I do have a bit of an announcement that I want to make. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, and okay. and I and I hate because I'm loving this conversation and I just want to stay yeah. here because I have so much to say on it. Okay. But as of yesterday, I am technically homeless. I'm oh, sorry. Oh no. Wow. Um. Oh. I, I my landlord's been kind. He's given me an extra week or so to get my stuff out and into storage. Um. I've. In five months, I put in over two dozen rental applications to market housing. Not one of them has called any of my references and, and I've got excellent references, like bar none references. Like most yeah. people in professional careers don't have the kinds of references I have and, and my landlord will give me a good reference. And, and you know, I've been in, in my home long-term seven years, seven, eight years. Yeah. And not one of these applications has vetted my application called in my landlord or any of my other references. Um, I'm on as many subsidized housing, including Calgary housing. Um, and there's just, there's just nothing. Um, I, I just had a conversation with one of our city councilors and just wrote a letter to the mayor because the mayor, um, while we were having our housing strategy marathon hearing, um, near the end, put a motion forward to put up uh, to allot some land and put up temporary modular housing mm. um, for families with children. Right. And if you um, if you look at the um, I don't know who that is calling me, but they can leave a message. Um, if you do, the, I, I just looked up the statistics. Um, the people that are the most housing insecure in Canada are 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 lone person households. Yep. Lone person households are more than two times as likely as households with more than one person to be in core housing need or at risk of, of homelessness or homeless. And um, statistics around women is women and gender diverse people. Um, we don't. We can't get accurate numbers because whereas when you look at, if you get the numbers from the shelters, it's mostly men, but most of the shelters are for men and the ones for women are mostly based on if you're fleeing domestic violence and not right. to do with homelessness. And most, and most women tend to be what they call the hidden homeless. So they're couch surfing and, you know, things like that. So they're not in areas where their stats are being taken and, and and then of course there's people with disabilities um mm -hmm. so basically i'm just putting it out there we're in a housing emergency and i'm telling people from ontario and bc if you're thinking that you're going to come to calgary and live this wonderful life no. and you have a roof over your head right now don't come 
because yeah. what's happened is we didn't have enough. We were trying to fill job vacancies, but we didn't have enough housing in the, to begin with. Mm-hmm. And now there's nothing like, unless you've got a couple months to put down or a year to put down, like it's virtually impossible. Like you're going to places and there's hundreds of people. Landlords are getting hundreds of people as soon as they put the ad up that mm-hmm. want to look at it. And it, it it's it, it's just insane. Like it it rent is slightly cheaper than Vancouver and Ontario right now, but but not by much. Yeah. But well, not by much, but there's nothing, you know, affordability is only one part of the equation. There's no housing. If there's you not know, enough housing to house everybody, it doesn't matter how much the rent is. Exactly. Well, yeah. I'm so sorry, uh, Cassandra, yeah. what you're going through. Yeah, uh, if funny. I had room here, I, I would say, hey, you, you can come and you know, come here today. <laughs> I know. So, well, I'm just letting everybody know, like, um, I have to go and run and grab a couple wardrobe boxes and secure a storage unit. And yeah. that's why I'm I'm not able to participate in this conversation the way I would like to today. We're, well, we have... we're going to have a round table three. So, uh, you know, well, it, yeah. I'm ready for round table three because this okay. everything that you guys are saying is so important, especially when we're talking mm-hmm. about housing, like, mm-hmm. like our incomes, like, you know, I'll go back to the whole market basket measure thing. It yeah. does, They say it includes rent, but if you look at the amounts, you know, damn well, it does not include rent because it doesn't even the market, their market basket measurement isn't even enough to cover rent in a lot of places and and so they can't be including rent in it whereas the you know that's why i've always been on this whole um livable income based off a living wage thing um and the city of calgary seems to be onto that too because they were talking that about that in regards to aish too bad our provincial government's not listening but um (laughs) but yeah i just wanted to put that out there when we're talking about basic income and adequate income and and people having enough I mean, that goes straight to your core housing need. The two top things that lone person households are most insecure over everybody else is on housing and food. Well, yeah, you know, the word you know shelter. Yeah, the sorry, word shelter. Yeah, sorry, but I was just going to say, like, uh, you know, with um, the average rent in Vancouver now is 2500 bucks. Yeah. So three. actually closer to three. Sorry, you're right. And, uh, and so if, even if you, even if you uh, assume that everybody that's in Vancouver is, is doubling up, like, you know, they're splitting rents by having, uh, you know, somebody sharing the rent, like having two people share, share one bedroom or something, (laughs) you know, um, that's still like $1,500 each. Right. So, so that means that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that means like if we're talking reality, like a rent portion should not be tagged at five hundred bucks. It should be at least fifteen hundred bucks. Like yeah, like if that, it was nineteen seventy nine, that should be a, should be a starting yeah. point. That yeah. should be a starting point <laughs> yeah. for the rent portion only. Well, well, here's the yeah, thing: Neil. if it, uh, there's a lot of landlords, they will, they they only want to have two people inside their building. Um, I mean, I I you know, <laughs> of course, doesn't really matter. I'll, I'll say this anyways. There's um, two doors down from here, down my hallway. There's, they, there's, you know, some young ladies there. I mean, they're, you know, giddyish. You know, they're, they're, they're nice people. I mean, whatever. They're, you know, they're uh, university students. But there's eight of them. 
eight of them living oh, wow. in a two bedroom unit. Yeah. Now it is rented from a senior who she's getting up there, uh, but she actually technically has the unit. She sublet, she subleased it off to them and she's billing them $1,600 for the whole unit. And she's only, her rent is $785. The lady has it for 785, but she's charging them 1600. So now technically the landlord is uh, collecting 785 but she's billing the tenants that but there's eight of them living in there now that kind of goes back to a, a time when i met with our uh predecessor predecessor upon predecessor for social development poverty reduction in bc shane's uh honorable well uh, well honorable shane simpson who i had on the show and i remember in a town hall meeting uh you guys uh one time uh he was asked about the rent portion he was asked about shelter what are you going to do? Are you going to increase it? He said he wanted to get rid of it at that time. I remember in a meeting, he says, I want to get rid of it. I want to scrap it because it's, it's irrelevant. Uh, people are using their whole check. And I go, okay. Um, so one lady asked him, and it always stuck in my mind. And Sonia and I were talking about this this morning. I said, do you remember that time where uh, the rents were so high? And what did Shane say? And she says, uh, what did, what did, she, what did uh, Shane say, Sonia? You got to do what you got to do. And up to eight people, uh, eight people living in a household. And he says, yeah, if it takes eight people to rent in a household, that's what you got to do. Unfortunately, it backfired on him because most landlords won't have up to eight people. If they find that out, they're evicted or they're going to jack up their rent. Well, legally, I think it's your two per, two people yeah. per bedroom is what you're yeah. allowed. Yeah. Legally. And these people have bunk beds in their, in their, uh, in their units. I know oh, <laughs> she, she told them. me, yeah, right. you got See, and, and, and even in BC, there's a law that says that uh, for for children, you know, they have to have separate bedrooms based on their sexes, yeah. right? That's a law. So, I mean, th it makes it very difficult when, you know, with these rents and everything else. And this is this is one of the things that I've, you know, been looking at is this whole thing of renting is people that are disabled should have the right to be able to go and purchase a piece of property. Or, or, or a condo or whatever they want to have for themselves so they own, right? Having ownership, you know, just because you're disabled shouldn't shouldn't matter that you're disabled. You should have the right to actually own a piece of property. You shouldn't have to have to worry about renting, right? Yeah. But Something I've been advocating for, and a lot of people here in Alberta on Ace have been yeah. advocating for hugely lately. So just well, so you know. Well, yes. Cassandra is that um, a lot of PWD uh, in so many cases they can't live with other people either. So yeah. with you know with government saying oh well you, know, you gotta do what you gotta do to make it happen, having up to eight people, well, I'm sorry, it doesn't always work. Having that many people, maybe they're claustrophobic. Uh, you know, or based on their disability, they can't have mass people around them. Um, and I, they just have to just you know give people a livable income and be done with it. I mean, these systems are so um, so archaic. Uh, I mean. A livable income going forward. I mean, this is Durbit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Durbit. I don't think the. Uh... I want to say before I'm yeah, going to no go problem. now. I'm going to go now, but I want to say, can we pump out that arise letter, um, guys? I'm going to do some. I'm going to do some mass tweeting tonight, and okay. and if I could get you guys to help me, because I just we were at 112 signatures. It doubled okay. in two days, and I'd like to really. Kind of get it moving. So if I could get your guys's help, that would be awesome. Sure, we'll give it amplify. At least like it'll encourage people in it'll it'll encourage people in my group too because you know we just started and and 
so to have something that we did get traction will also encourage people to even want to do more because they and people get discouraged I, easily sometimes so yeah. i think too uh, cassandra that um a lot of people who are able but want to be advocates don't quite they've got so much on their plate like a single mom or whatever but they don't think that this could affect them that the chances of them becoming disabled are possible but very highly improbable so the feet isn't the fire isn't under their feet in the same way it's still there but we need to kind of like get the able people to go hey listen we're advocating for your future because yeah. you could be in this boat too so well yeah and in, but in regards to the, the derp, in, yeah. in regards to the derp thing i think you know we have allies and i think if we can I'll reach out to the allies we know too and try to get them to sign in them to amplify it as well because I think yeah. that's the key. And, you know. and anyone who doesn't know what uh, DERB is, uh, you know, which I'm sure most people know by now, <clears throat> it's Disability Emergency Response Benefit. Uh, I know I, I've said in a previous uh, podcast, Disability Emergency Relief Benefit, but uh, yes, Response Benefit. And, I mean, when I say relief, I say, well, people want that relief now, right? But there's that yeah. response is now. So there's yeah. that difference of, you know, of terminology. Um, but yeah. we just disturb it. We just, you know, regardless, we just got to get it out there now. Not, yeah. Well, not, guys, uh, I'm going to let well, you go and I'll see you for round three. Okay. Yes, yes. Thanks and uh, we'll correspond to time uh, that works good for you. Uh, Cassandra, too, will work around it. So let... Well, uh, if Let we want to know. do next Monday again, I'll I'll be yeah. on board for that. Yeah, no, we can do uh, Monday, uh, Monday, Monday, Monday. Yeah. Okay, Monday okay. it is. <laughs> oh, uh, and also, Cassandra, before you go, um, Mondays are a good. I, day. I wanted to reach out uh, to you for. Uh, I know your friend Tara wanted to come on the podcast, but I'm I'm no longer on Twitter, right? So I can't reach out to her on Twitter anymore. Which Tara? Oh, you got more than you got multiple Taras. I'm not I'm not sure actually. <laughs> I think her. I think her, I think her last name started with the C, I believe. Carlson. Okay. 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 Yeah. 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 If, uh, if you could, if you could reach out to her on my behalf, because I'm I'm not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> okay. Do you want me I'm, to shoot uh, shoot her your email or? Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. People that are on Twitter. Sarah from Smash Studio. Announcement. Sarah from Smash Studio was like to. Uh, get on as well so if you could if you have a way brent of reaching out to her um she would like to do another uh other sure. round table or just a one-on-one -on -one. yeah um, she did mention that no she was fun the last time so we can have her on yeah 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah reach out to her neil and uh okay. arrange that and uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for Neil. Neil, if you know, if you want to maybe let them know why you're not on Twitter, I mean, it's up to you. If you don't want to, that's fine. Well, it, it's basically um, all Elon Musk's fault. Um, uh, he, he he changed. <laughs> he, he cha they just recently changed all the privacy uh, things on Twitter, and if you actually read all the changes, it's scary as shit. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I, I quit Twitter on, it was on Thursday night. I didn't even let Brent know. I just, I know I just, I know. I just quit and I shut everything down. I, I made no announcement. I just shut everything down. I said, I'll let, I'll let Brent know the next morning. And, and so, 
And then Brent's like, well, what's going on? <laughs> it's Elon Musk's fault. So uh, yeah, I, I don't have, I don't want anything to do with Twitter anymore. It's like, uh, I, I don't I, know if they added I, that. To I'm, I'm back to writing on stone tablets. It's fine. <laughs> I, I have no idea if that's part of the uh, uh, Zoom, anything like that's in the Zoom TOS. So no, yeah. It, it um what what happened was uh I had sent um Neil a policy uh update that uh Elon Musk is working on. Now, from what I understand, is there's a um it's up to a premium level that he wants to implement in uh about facial recognition, ID, all that stuff. Now, uh, yeah, I mean they they claim that it's at premium level. Now it's just a matter of time before it comes down to the Twitter uh, level of all users. Um, when I sent that to Neil, Neil right away, like I didn't even know, like he had just like, Wait, that's it. Like he's like, it's like fuck. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just pulled the plug and I'm, I'm out. Yeah. And and, yeah. and you know, yeah. so like I had a guest coming up on the Friday. So I, you know, and I hadn't, I had sent that to Neil and I looked at the time and I was like, okay, it's getting too late. I better not message him. Cause I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to interrupt his, you know, say it's family time or whatever, maybe he's just, re you know, resting. And I, so I thought, okay, I'll check with them in the morning, but I'm going to go up to the, the profile here. I'm going to uh, amplify the next guest coming up, which I had on the Friday and I click on it. And it says something went wrong. I'm like, what am, what am I doing <laughs> wrong here? So I'm like, okay, I'm like, oh, I'll quote tweet it. That's what I was going to do. So I popped in there, something went wrong. I'm like, okay, I can't even quote tweet. What's going on here? And I thought, maybe it was a policy. I said something I don't know. And I thought, what? Uh, yeah. And next thing you know, what, um, yeah, Neil told me. So I, I had made a decision. I told Sonia like about this policy stuff. So she said, that's it. I'm, I'm done. Like, she did the same thing. I went, no, you guys. Like, so I'm like, going, okay. So I still got my account open at the time. And so I said, well, I'm going to be crafty and I'm going to word it out. And so I reached out to you, Neil, uh, and I, I reached out to our, our secretary and get the help of wording this, you know, good way. Cause I didn't, you know, I mean, I got a lot of followers and, um, you know, and it really hurt me because I was thinking like for myself personally, I said, like, well, I don't want to abandon of my advocacy but at the same time i don't want to be under yeah. the rule of yeah. elon musk of saying well you're going to do this policy or else and i thought so i was ready to delete my uh my account um and but then after careful thinking i thought okay you know what i'm going to keep this going for now right i'm going to keep it going because uh, i'm used to all the you know the mlas the mpps i got a lot of them following me and advocacy going forward and i thought like I'm going to use it as my my tool of uh, my communication. Yeah. So for you, it makes sense. For you, yeah. it makes and sense. It, but uh, like, yeah. I think I don't think anybody cares that I'm gone. So you know. So oh, like... uh, oh, Neil. We all love you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's in Zoom's TOS as well. I mean, honestly, they they're all going this way. Um, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's going to come down to the point where it's like you're just going to have if you really want to do this it's like set your own video uh system up like this and uh, have it set up privately for members and there you go yeah. i mean it's coming I mean, to that point i'll still stay connected but yeah. i'm gonna i'm yeah. gonna be mute and screen off for about five ten minutes no problem no problem Alan. I mean, okay yeah so you know, look guys look uh when it comes to expectation of privacy from apps and websites yeah. I, I, I'm just going to speak wholeheartedly here, okay? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to 
the early days of website building when they first came out, okay, you had things like, oh, you know, the administrator or the server might, you know, need to, you know, go through your communications to make sure that, you know, there's not a terrorist attack or this or that, or, you know, you're not violating, you know, child pornography laws, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Then it evolved into, you know, the apps automatically doing it themselves. Then it evolved yeah. into, you know, oh, they have staff there. And then you get into the big corporations like Twitter or, you know, X or, you know, uh, Zoom or Facebook or, you know, Instagram or whatever. And they're going to cover their own ass, right? right. With the longest amount of legal mumbo jumbo that you can think is, you know, going to do everything from take your unborn children, you know, to, you know, your <laughs> soul and, you know, <laughs> possession of your soul yeah. for the next 75 years for copyright purposes. Okay. Like they, yeah. they're going to do anything that they can in terms of service. But at the end of the day, is the MP using it who has an entire legal team that already read through that? Oh, is there, you know, a violation of a civic right? Because if there is, you know, somebody like our local MP that's on that platform's lawyer team is going to find that well before we will. Right. Um, and, and, and a lot of the information right now that that they collect, that these uh, these platforms collect, they've already got a lot of our ID already. So, they, they, so yeah. my, my point is, is like, if you walk down the street, okay, you're recorded from the average of five video cameras when you walk down a busy street, okay? Yeah. Now, the same thing online, if person A agrees to terms of service of Gmail right. and person B agrees to Facebook but integrates their Facebook into, G into their Gmail, and then Gmail knows about person A and knows about person B, but person B doesn't know A. Mm. Do you think that that's not been challenged somewhere already? Do you think that that's not, you know, it kind of, it's odd in your mind, but that's actually perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, And it's, they need permission to do that. So they sneak it in their little terms. Like we need access to your photos and we need access to this. But meanwhile, they don't really need access to your photos. What they need is your permission as a blanket that, you know, oh, they have access to that directory just in case they need to go in there. Right, exactly. And and like they've already- But, but, it, but it did re it did reference uh, specifically, it said photo ID and then it said uh, biometric data. And I'm like thinking, okay, he wants oh, my photo ID and apps. biometric data. It's like, I'm not giving on that to Elon, sorry. On certain oh, apps, on. you can add your, your ID, right? Like when I, when, you know, if you're going to be a corporation on X, they probably require somebody to have a piece of ID for the credit card because it's, oh, you yeah. know, at whatever amount per month, what is it, $1,000 or something like that for the business? Something like that. Yeah. The gold yeah. one, right? Yeah. So they're going to need those permissions. Biometrics, well, that's because I can open my phone with my thumbprint. Okay. Yeah. And they need permission for that, not because they're gonna keep your 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 oh. thing, but because the, the the app that they design needs a third party that bought this coverage or you know, they're doing this or that or whatever. So maybe they don't need it, but maybe the third party app that they built into their app that actually scans the biometrics needs permission. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. And so they give you the plain language permission of, well, we need your biometrics. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah! well, <laughs> no, that's because the well, third party yeah, app right. way down the line needs your biometrics for your thumbprint mm-hmm. to open your phone. Well, you think about how much, how much you've already given up, you know, to go, you know, basically. I fully expect right? that person A has already shared, shared information right? about me. Yeah. And I, yeah. I've already expected that person B is trying to take on person A because of something that I did. But you know what? Sorry. Well, yeah. I keep going back to, uh, you know, uh, Terminator, the, the movie Terminator. 1984. And that, I, was, I, was thinking, I was thinking to myself, I, that was a cool movie. I was like, what a cool piece of science fiction. But now, it's like fast <laughs> yeah. forward 40 years. Yeah. It's yep. like reality Have now. You seen, oh, come it's on. Like, I've seen Black Mirror. Have you seen the episode of Black Mirror about the social credit score? No, I didn't this, see yes, the episode. Yes, the episode. I've heard that reference called... a lot of times as well. Yeah, yes, the episode. Like the, episode the episode is called. Keep another Black show. Keep another show. Hold on, MJ. What? The episode is called Nosedive, and right. basically, it's about your social credit score. And basically, uh, basically, the entire society becomes very vacuous because you have to practically fake your way through life. So, mm. You know, oh. you gotta. You give a props to this person, try to get likes by from that person, have a good interaction, and everything that you do is all based on a score. And in the end, it's like what happened was is there's a multiplier. So the more people yeah. that go and downvote you all at the same time, the multiplier starts to get kicking in. So it goes and the multiplier gets you. They filmed that out here. Worked on it. It was so fun. <laughs> it, that, reminds, that reminds me of a movie that I oh I, I love watching it every so often. I haven't seen it in years. Um, remember it was called The Net with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yes. Remember remember that? I mean, they did it to me. They'll do it to you. <laughs> how, how technology, how sophisticated it was, just go in there and change identity, and yeah. then poof, like. I mean, that kind of goes with like you're going to a grocery store, you go and buy some craft dinner, you go and buy some a can of coffee, um, jug of milk. They that that retailer is keeping their computers keeping track of. Okay, it's not just yeah, we we've now sold rent that jug of milk. Is that mm-hmm. you're now using that bank card? That bank card now is like now the bank knows. Okay, you purchase it. Sure, it'll say retail purchase, but internally they know what you bought. If they want to break down that, they can figure out, yeah, you know, based on that transaction, what did the consumer buy? So now it's based on marketing. So it's this, like this is what worries me, Brent, is, is imagine you go to the self-checkout because the corporations have gotten rid of its tellers altogether. Oh, you I go know. Through and, you're, and you're scanning stuff and yeah. it goes, not permitted because you're on disability. So <laughs> let's say you buy a you want to buy a bottle of wine or a Christmas turkey or, or something, and they're going due to your your uh, um your social income or, or or just not approved. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. there are certain things that are, are coded that have oh, been my. flagged. That'd be scary. That's what that was. That's what worries me is we get into a point where, where the powers to be that give us the income are saying. That person's on disability, so they can't buy any chips, or they can't buy certain. You can have this, but you I, can't have yeah. that. Yeah, but they sort of, they sort of already have a version of that in the states with SNAP, where like the food, the food stamp thing, where it's like, what is it? It's it's it works for some things, but doesn't work for other things. 
Um, but I don't, I don't think it's, I don't you know. Yeah. 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 So, so what happens with snap is yeah. there's companies that will go and uh, fake a grocery bill for you and uh, they'll give you the cash back. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. And that happens with the States. This is something we found out. It, it's like, they, then they people have said, oh, well, let's test all the people for drugs. Well, that they found out that the cost to test all these people for drugs yeah. was such a waste of money over oh the God. course of three years that it just served no purpose whatsoever. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. wasted tax dollars. So this is why, you know, to me, you know, GBI or whatever, you know, UBI, whatever, you know, we go with yeah. mm-hmm. just says, take the money. Yeah. Take it or leave it. It doesn't matter what you spend it on. But I guarantee you, if people had the money to spend on buying good food, they would buy good food. Yeah. It would stay out of the center of the aisles because they wouldn't want to go and waste their money on garbage and wouldn't yeah. buy buying crap that they don't need. Yeah. Well, you look at who wants yeah. to be eating craft dinner, you know, when you can actually go and make a, a good meal and you can afford well, it. Yeah. Oh, you know, MJ, you look at the, the, the bare naked ladies. Yeah, I was just going to say. Dollars. You wouldn't have to eat craft dinner. If I had a billion dollars, if I had a billion dollars, I, I yeah. could actually buy my own food source. But you not know? a real fur coat. <laughs> that's, that's true. Cool. Yeah. Because you look at you know, the government, though. Like, you just look at all the charities that keep giving the money to food banks. And, yeah. oh, look what we did. Trouble. And why don't they give the money to the actual person? Then they can yeah. make that choice for themselves. But no, we're, we're giving, oh, we've given $170,000 to X uh, certain food uh, company. And and you look at the grocery stores. I was at Save on Foods the other day. <laughs> and uh, I, I saw a big bin. And I see all the groceries in there. I see some some frozen stuff in there, but not too much uh, because, you know, it's going to spoil. But then, yeah. of course, what do they do? Give it to the food banks, which, yep, yeah. they do. Yeah. <laughs> now that gets handed down to the consumer rather than, those same people who put the stuff in there, they bought the groceries that they, you know, at the store and threw it in the bin. Well, how about the how about just give that money back into society? And then people now can go and buy what they want rather than having it given to a food bank. And then they mm. need to now distribute it out. Now you need to prove yourself. Why do you need to go to the food bank? Because they well, want you to get well, like a hydro well, bill or notice of assessment. And food, yeah, food it, banks it, Canada is for basic income as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, and that, and that's where you know the idea of basic income of in any sort or guaranteed income solves this problem because you'd be getting enough money, you wouldn't need to go to the food bank. Right. Right. I was also thinking. Sorry, Alan. Just want to. Wouldn't the companies that are being cut off of like, oh, they they can't buy this button, can't buy that? Wouldn't those companies then be like? What do you mean we got cut off? <laughs> so the companies start complaining, and so you yeah. get, you get together with that chicken company yeah. or that wine company, and go right. We're both going to talk to our MP. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they Gone. just took our funding away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, meanwhile, then you, then the recipient goes to to their ministry's office and said, yeah. "Oh, um, you have a crisis supplement for food. Oh, did you try the food bank?" Yeah. Did you try other resources first rather than to yeah. give people yeah. uh, an, a basic income or a UBI? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like give them what they want, what they need, and they can make those choices for themselves rather than jumping through all these hoops and proving the reason why. Did you exhaust all your other revenue avenues? Yeah, I'm just a person. 
and it's not economically viable. No, food bank, food banks aren't good either. It's like uh, this is the point. I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this last time. <clears throat> Teresa Funicello's book, uh, Tyranny of Kindness, where she explains how a food bank. I mean, they're great people. I'm not saying that, but it's like. Yeah. But by the time that let's say dollar fifty, not that it would be dollar fifty now, but dollar fifty head of lettuce makes it to the end recipient, it's an eight dollar head of lettuce because a food yep. bank is usually located downtown. So there's a the cost of that land. There's you know administrative, there's plumbing, there's mm-hmm. your tr- the guys driving the trucks, and you know blah, 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 all the stuff to run a food bank. Yep. It, it goes into that. So it's like why not just give the person the money in the first place? Give them the eight dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's well, like a supply exactly. Bank. So yeah. this is this is this is you know this is how I managed to come up with this whole idea of four grand because mathematically with all this nonsense and all these benefits and all yeah. these uh, support groups and support services yep. and all the rest of the stuff you take a look mm-hmm. at all of these things all around and you mm-hmm. start to realize exactly how big this infrastructure is you know it's like in you know they have an infrastructure for dealing with people that are disabled and poor. Instead mm-hmm. of actually trying, you know, so they've got entire business around all yeah. of this, right? Yeah. Around True, being poor, you, you and, have to you know, homelessness and food and housing and all the rest of the stuff. They've created businesses and jobs around this, and that money is then coming out of the government to fund all of this for the oh. most part, which it then is- could, you know, could be going directly to the person. And it's yeah. absolutely insane. It's like you money- chain of, of a whole bunch of people in between to basically accomplish one thing where that one thing could yeah. just be handed to that person. Now they can go and make that choice. Get right? exactly that, what they want. Exactly. It, 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 it's so funny. Exactly. The, you know, the chains of life. Yeah, the, the chains. Yeah. yeah. Like one of the things it's, it's hilarious is how a lot of people will say, basic income, that's socialist. Okay. The Montpelier Society, their first meeting in 1948 with Milton Friedman and Friedrich Hayek, who inspired Thatcher and Reagan, they were actually behind the idea of basic income, and their first conversation back in Montpellier in Switzerland was about guaranteed income. So, <laughs> and one of the reasons was uh, Wilhelm von Mises. He said it, which is again an Austrian economist. He said it. It's like a government will never be as good as ordinary people with money to spend at getting exactly what it is they want. You know, because that was like kind of like the so like the kind of socialisty. You know, like um, central planning. Okay, uh, uh, so Victoria needs this many tons of rice and this much uh, uh, bread. And you know, whereas the person goes, I need one of these, three of these, get me these, and that and their money is good for doing that. Like, why would why would communism give capitalism money so capitalism keeps working? It doesn't make. <laughs> and you have to exactly. hope that bread's not you know? moldy. Too, but it right? can also be it can also be very left wing. So it's it's that's why I wrote that thing. It's like it's not communism; it's a commons. The Commons, which I've talked about before, and my album's called that. It's about um, like it's something that belongs to everyone. It belongs to no one. Like a good example of a Commons is a public library. It's not just it's not like a, it's not a barn of books. You walk in and run away with a book. It's 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 stewarded, and there's a program, and you do. Blah, blah, blah. It's like it's by everyone for everyone. It belongs to everyone. It belongs to no one. Same yeah. thing with basic income. We make it run so it helps us, right? done you know that's why it's, it's not really left or right it's like a kitchen tap it's just a good idea to have it you know it's, well, it's, like, exactly. it's like you can, you can have you can have your cauliflower you can have one yeah. you can have you can have three cauliflowers this week oauliflower. oh, oh but that bread's now expired it's a little bit moldy yeah. but you just cut it off then i mean yeah. I see this, this, well yeah. and this is where you know it's like you take a look at a lot of the stuff that's offered to you from the food banks and a lot of this stuff, it's like pre-made, pre-canned, whatever, packaged. <laughs> it's And it's like, 
it's the most unhealthy food that you could ever possibly go and give to people. Yeah. And it's like you take a look at the salt content, you take a look at the oh fat content. And it's the just so the huge. level, you know, and it's like you're dealing with people that if they've had to go to the food bank and they're disabled, they already have health problems. Yeah. And this oh, is yeah. the type of food that doesn't go, it's not useful to them. So yeah, it's like, like, putting yeah. the money back in their hands yeah. to simplify this makes a hell of a lot more sense to, instead of going and having people chase around from this group to have to go over here, they get assessed over here, then they got to go over yeah. here. And they're running all over Hell's Half Acre spending oodles of money on mm. bus passes and going here and there. And just to go and go all around in circles just so they can get permission just to go to the food bank or go to this service or support or whatever. And mm. it's like the amount of nonsense and barriers they put in the place for disabled people to go and get supports and be able to go and get the health care they need is absolutely tremendous. Yeah. Well, here, here's a take on here's a take on that one, MJ. Um, I, I remember one time where I, I went to a food bank. Oh, this is years ago. And um the, the government said, well, I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you a crisis supplement for food, right? I said, oh, okay. Yeah, you need to learn to live within your means, right? Well, I already am. I mean, that's why the rates need to be changed, need to be uh, modernized. Okay, well, you need to go to the food bank. Oh, so I go to the food bank. I'm like, whatever. And I go to the food bank, you need to have your hydro, I need to have your notice of assessment for Revenue Canada, prove that that you uh, your income's not high enough, that you would qualify. There you go. Oh, there you go. Thank you very much, sir. Okay, so I go there and I pick out some stuff. Okay, now I said I noticed that some stuff was was expired. I said I would need that. Would you? Well, no. Well, if it's not consumption consumable for myself, then why are you even have it on the on the shelf? Why well, we forgot to take it off? But the point of the matter is, is that uh, I go back to the ministry. I said, "Dale, yeah, this stuff's not healthy." It's full of sodium, like we just talked about. Um, I should be able to choose the kind of food that I want for myself. Well, you have to take what, what you get at the food bank. And I said, but if I become unhealthy and it actually makes mm. my health worse, just, well, you know, and here's the thing. Well, that's why, <laughs> then, well, that's why you've got a family doctor. You can go into your family doctor and they can prescribe you medicine. Oh, that's man. what doctors are for. And I'm going... Are you freaking serious? Oh my god! <laughs> I, I said this to the worker. Are you freaking serious? Just that's what our health care's for. That's why we pay health. That's why we have the best health care in Canada. Oh, I'm you... like, oh, I went. Oh, oh yeah. You know, you I know, said, I'm done with you. I said, I'm done with you. I walked out. Jeff Leggett. I, I know that Jeff Leggett just a, a little while ago he made he made the point on one of the podcasts. I think. Because uh, he his church hosts a, a, a number of dinners, right, for yeah. for yeah. homeless, yeah. and he said he says at at my church he says we we cook and serve dinner that that I would eat that everybody everybody eat. we don't yeah. we don't just serve yeah. shit <laughs> you know yeah. we 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 make yeah. we make food that oh. is edible for everyone exactly. you, you don't just yeah. you don't just give That's people awesome. like the, the yeah. shit leftovers like you yeah. know. The scraps, yeah. the it's, scraps. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like that's one of the things that you know, if, if I have a frustration of being a basic, if I have a frustration <laughs> about being a basic income advocate, it's 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 that I I I still want to do stuff in the now while we're waiting for the then, and and that's really awesome. Like anything that can be done now, like is amazing. And Derb, of course, is included in that. Yeah. Um, but like me and my loved one, we we went to uh, um Bubek years and years and years ago, and it was like 
you didn't actually pick up like, other than breads it like the once of once in victoria you could pick out the breads but they just give you this like thing mm-hmm. and we used to have this low income grocery store down the road here uh mm-hmm. oxford food which is sadly no longer w- with us or it's not not <coughs> here anymore um and it was just so frustrating because like stuff would go bad because the food bank stuff would would block it you you couldn't tell if yep. there was something back there in the freezer that was actually good so both would expire on you meanwhile like the most common thing they'd give you is like canned stewed tomatoes which is exactly what she can't eat and of course like you say sodium is high dented cans i took food safe when i worked at like tim hortons and mcdonald's and so yeah. i know de- i know dented yeah. cans is terrible like <laughs> so it's like <laughs> yeah. what of this is good <laughs> and it's <Yeah>. just yeah <laughs> well, well, well it's like when you're handling food i mean you yeah. wonder what like some of the stuff that you know these pre-packaged stuff in the food banks uh, you're looking at some of that stuff and i'm thinking wow like uh you got some spiral noodles but it's already pre-packaged homemade stuff thrown into a food bank maybe maybe some grandma or something you know thought would be helpful and make something for yeah. somebody like that which is great but how long has it been sitting there i asked one lady how long she goes oh well, we, we we rotate the stuff as soon as it's gone we replenish it i go but the question is how long has it been sitting there Oh, I, I have no clue. You find like soup cans <laughs> with like labels that look like I haven't seen a label like that in years. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, there was one that was there for two years, and I'm thinking, yeah. well, like that's before date. Oh, as long as long as it's not bowing up and it's got a bubble on the top of that can, you you know, it's still we, good. Still, <laughs> we've got about we've got about half an hour or so, Brent. I was wondering yeah. if you wanted to switch gears and talk about housing again or our tiny I would, homes you no know, i i would love to or love if you to wanted to in. wait another yeah. um we can, I can touch, yeah i can touch a little bit on that and when we run out of time we'll continue on round three uh because i know yes. cassandra is really wanting to talk about the uh rent portion that i always mm-hmm. say shelter uh that'll be something that we'll dive into and I think uh, each uh, Monday, you guys, I think it would be a good uh, our, our roundtable discussions. And then if I have guests in between on other days of the week, which is good, if, if you're all in consent with that, uh, you know, and we, yeah. we can change it. If one week doesn't work um, like a Monday, we can always bump it forward, right? We can rotate around like, so, like so it might be a Monday where like I have a, a gig with Kaylee. So like, oh, I can't make this Monday, but I'll make yeah, this Monday. Yeah, but we could do the next Monday. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you know, have a roundtable discussion because – this is important to get that dialogue out as, as new information comes out, mm-hmm. we can uh, have that get that round table, get together discussion of current events that are going on. Uh, I think that's good. I know that that was Sonia's idea, by the way. You know, what I'm working on, my, for, you know, I'm working on building my, my website for universally available basic income. And right now I'm going around and trying to figure out what the expenses are that currently exist for the current programs, right? Mm-hmm. And trying to find the actual cost for these programs is pretty hard to do with the way they do these budgets and the way they put this information out there. They make it very difficult to kind of uh, find all the information that you need. So, I mean, so far, just at the federal side, I'm at $127 billion, <laughs> right. right? That's That's unemployment. That's uh, child benefits and that's uh, pension possibly ve- and veterans affairs, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we take a look at what the provincial sides for each province, when we put all this stuff together, people will actually start to see how much money we're actually spending on these programs and the ministry offices that run on behind the scenes that yeah. are actually putting all these programs together. And then if we say, if we take that money, we pool it, there we go. 
all of a sudden now we have a solution. I mean, if you know, because right now it they've learned there's no solutions. And I think the simplest solution is just giving people the money to figure it out for themselves. All they're doing now, MJ, is they're they're chasing their tail, right? The yes. other ministerial staffers, they're trying to figure things out because we're telling them, we're going, oh, well, we've never had to do that. So now they're trying to scramble around, trying to figure out, well, what what should we do, um, you know, with, with, with rates? Okay, well, we'll just give, like in, in BC, for instance, right? Let's give $125 to some PWD, but the rest of now. Nah. And, oh, but look what we did, eh? We, we gave 125 increase. Well, well I don't, I don't. exactly. So it's yeah. like for so you know when they announced that, I went and made sure that my rent was set up for five hundred, you know, and I was going to be getting that automatically. And you know, if they go and say they're going to raise the rent amount again next year, I'm just going to go and raise the rent amount that I paid to you know paying rent. You know, that yeah. way the maximum monkeys keeps going. I mean, and exactly. this is how they this is how they keep doing this is to make you keep running through the hoops. And yeah. I think, you know. Sadly, if a federal program were to come out with a universally available basic income, most of us that are on provincial disability would say, Vaya con Dios, sayonara, arrivederci, and adios, we're gone. You know, we're closing our, we're closing our accounts with you. And after a probably good six months to a year, you'd find that there'd be all these workers and nobody to administrate, you know, because everyone would leave. And this is what would happen provincially across all the boards. I know this is a fact. I mean, even with people that are on WCB or otherwise, you know, or when any other program, I mean, there's so many benefit programs that are just all out there and all over the place. I think mm -hmm. we just need to simplify this to one and say, take it or leave it or take it X amount that you want. If you want a lot less then take a lot less. If you want it all, take it all. No problem. Yeah. I mean, because you, you, you look at uh, seniors right now, I mean, the federal program, uh, their uh, they're GIS, they don't need permission to go to another province. If they want to go somewhere, they just go because that's it's administered that way. It's not a provincial uh, jurisdiction of having a hall pass. Can I go for 30 days? As I always say to me, 30 days, uh, can I go? Yeah, people say, yeah, just go. You need to go, just go. Uh, but don't well, uh, ODSP too now docks you if you're out of the province for even a week. The oh, actually yeah. got and and it's because it follows on the following month, you're screwed. Like you think, okay, well, I've got three hundred to play with. Wait, I was at I was at a funeral or whatever at a wedding right. in New Brunswick. Right, but if you didn't how ask, the hell, how the how do I only have two hundred and ten now? Yeah, but but you didn't ask for permission though. You see, I mean, my God, you ask permission. Yeah, permission. As soon as you mentioned that you have left the province. Yep. You would for the time you're not there. They they, they flag it's you so as soon as you say that. Punitive. It's yeah. so punitive. And, and that's why I'm just going to dive into about the tiny homes a little bit with you. And we're, we'll, uh, we're going to discuss more of it on the next uh, roundtable for sure. Uh, but uh, when I say tiny homes, like how I say RGI housing uh, would benefit so many um, in your view, Ellen, uh, how do you see that? Like rather than people paying like 90% of their income to rent versus that they had so much more money yeah. left and over. RGI based. I think one of the other things too that the uh, federal liberals could do that would also win them some votes back is to say <laughs> the uh, first, because they need it, they're bleeding pretty bad. Mm -hmm. um, they need all the support. They need to get their base back because 
if they don't, then I don't we'll, think we'll end, up, we'll end up with PF. But that being said, um, I think as far as the housing goes, if they uh, open the door to the tiny home movement in retrospect to um, in retrospect to um, the first homeowner's uh, option, where there's an incentive if you are first buying your home, why can't a tiny home be uh, allocated to that? Why do you have to try and be get some kind of grant or whatever for a five hundred thousand dollar house? You know what you, someone on on a fixed income, whoever it is, is going to get. Um, and we're talking about wartime houses now that are going yeah. for six hundred. Why why can't someone say? This is my budget. I've broken it down. Here's all the documents of how much how much my tiny home is going to cost by the company that built it or by the builder who's going to build it. Broken down. I want a mortgage for the tiny home because I know in ten years I can pay it out with the amount I, I get to live on. So instead of my instead of my money, my twelve hundred going to rent, it's going. It's going directly into an account that yeah. the problems can go, okay, he's, he's still renting, but it's going to his tiny house. Right, yeah, right? it's going to, or you know it's going, rather than a corporate landlord who you're just making them more richer and richer. Yeah. Right, and this is, I mean, exactly. This is where yeah. I advocate for home, you know, people to be able to own their own homes or own a condo or, what, or mobile home or whatever that they own or, or even a tiny home you know, where they have a place that they can call home, you know, right. to me, that would go and solve a lot of the problems, you know, right out of the gate, if people have the ability to go and, uh, you know, get a mortgage that well, if, the pro know, yeah, if the province, if the province said, we know that housing, especially affordable housing, RGI is very far between, and it's going to take 10 years before we can get any subsidized buildings up in, in the sky, or shovels in the ground for that matter. Which is nonsense. We are, we, we are offering um, a portable home, tiny home package where more ESP can be applied to that tiny home. Well, yeah, those, so those tiny those tiny homes, uh, Alan, they, I mean, they can be constructed where they can be, I mean, they're tiny, but they can be made a little bit bigger, too. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can take two containers and, and oh, yeah. have them attached. You can do oh, three. Yeah. Yeah. Right. See, right. see, and this, um, this is where, you know, you're right. I mean, this is where having the ability to go and own your own piece, you know, either piece of property or, or like a an apartment or like yep. a modular home that or modular building that's just put into a frame of a building and just slid into place and there you go and you're yep. you know you and it got doesn't, a little it doesn't take that long to build either. No, and it it don't. to make a bit of income. If you we're we're going to give this person a tiny home, their rent is going to his mortgage, but as an incentive, we will pay you uh, something like two hundred a month. Right. Uh, to, as a sort of a landlord, um, a property owner benefit that the homeowner, the person who owns the land, now has a $300 incentive. Yeah. If they participate in the the land offering, and this person with it who has a tiny home open off grid, unless they choose to work out an arrangement with you, 
you know, have the salute, you know, have the compost toilet and whatever. But if you're on a well or, or to like a, a what, what do they call them? The alleyway homes, the the mm -hmm. carriage house. Yeah, I've seen those. If it's going to be on someone's property and you made an arrangement, that person that owns that house with a big backyard enough to put a tiny home gets an incentive for the from the province hmm. that offsets their 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 property tax yeah See, exactly lower only, down the, the property tax for sure they need so, some so not only not only is your not only is your shelter amount going towards your tiny home which means it'll be yours in 15 20 years yeah of course or less but it's also the the province is saying we're going to give the home, the property owner, an incentive to have that tiny home there. And then you, you cover both bases. The person with a disability or a single mom um, who, who's going to be waiting 5, 10, 15, 20 years for our GI or any kind of affordable housing anyway. Because they're saying, oh, even if we put shovels in the ground now, it's going to be five years before that property, those properties are done anyway. So oh, yeah. It's time to build these places, about, right? That tiny home takes six weeks. You can build, okay. You can, right. And a, a mobile home takes about uh, seven days to build, right? Oh. A mobile, an actual mobile home. Because it's factory from one end to the other. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the prefab homes, the same idea. You can do, uh, you could don't do, uh, once it's factor, once you have the factory yeah. built for all of this, we could be pumping out tiny homes or mobile homes. We could be pumping out all of what they, we need for housing and have these things built. It's just mm. what, what the problem we have here is we have a government who says, oh, we've got a problem, but they're not looking for a solution and saying, hey, okay, here's the deal, folks. We need to go and get things going and we need to start looking at the companies we currently have. And mm -hmm. seeing how we can go and work with them to go and get their production mm -hmm. up to 200% of what it currently is, or 400% of what it currently is for these prefabbed buildings, right? If we mm -hmm. can get 400% and get this thing going, whatever it takes, then mm -hmm. we can solve the housing problem within two years. Oh, or, or less, or even less. Or less. And we're talking we're talking across the entire nation at the same time. So this oh, yeah. is the level of, of what we need to have from our government is to, for them to go and say, look, you guys are building these prefab buildings. Uh, we need you to figure out how to go and step this production up to four times. How can this be oh, done? Yeah. Right. What can we do to help you get your production up? If it's requiring incentives, if it's requiring whatever it requires, what can we do? Because the only way to solve this housing crisis is for the government to step in and say, we need to work with you to increase production by four times. And if that includes saying, okay, you need to train workers, we'll pay for training these workers to get them to work. They get paid a good wage, they're at work. You know, the problem we have but, you is know, it's funny because there's no willpower to do it. When I yeah, mm -hmm. and when I talk to when I talk to people like I share the links with you about a tiny house that's um yeah tube or whatever and everybody goes oh that's beautiful but where do you put it and that's where this property owner incentive 
is really a key component to that mm. because if I own a house and I've got maybe three, an acre or two, I could fit two, three tiny houses on that property. But what's my incentive? If I had a three, if I could get three hundred or two hundred dollars a month per per unit um, mm. into my to cover my property taxes, I might. Right be willing to turn my backyard into a tiny home community. Maybe not 20 of them, because land is land, but if I if I owned a small farm that isn't really a farm anymore, but it's got two, three acres, if, yeah. I, can, if I can put seven of them on there, yeah. um, as a, as a, theoretically, as a, hypothetically, as a, as an owner, I'm going, okay, well, I, I, every month I'm getting $600 a month, or I'm getting, or I report them, and that comes off my property tax at the yeah. end of the year uh, when I. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I'll get like. It Neil used to be a kickback. I, yeah, I, I have friends in the land. Yeah, Neil could probably give you an example of an equation of it, the rents are like in um, in certain areas three thousand dollars. You know, just for instance, like a one bedroom in Vancouver, yeah. uh, two uh, four thousand you know, for a two bedroom. I know we were talking about this one day, uh, Neil. Uh, like as an example, in ten in one year versus ten years, uh, kind of break that down. And then I'm gonna you know, talk to and I'll move it over to Joseph for a few moments uh, regarding amount of population that's come into the country. And then and then we'll do closing comments and then uh, get uh, Tom to do a little exit of a. Yeah, but remember what we were talking about, Neil, is um, about remember the equation. I was like, say three three thousand uh, dollars. Imagine for market rent, mm -hmm. and then in one year versus ten years, and then what do you got left? I mean, versus if it was a tiny home, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. in comparison, I I see. Uh, I mean, Alan, mm -hmm. you you got this nailed, man. Like I really like. There needs to be an incentive for the government yeah. to say, you're, instead of paying rent, we need to buy your tiny home. Yeah. But we're, go we're going to take $1,000 a month off your ODSP or your, or your P whatever, what's it yeah. in, um, what is it in Vancouver, Brent? Is it PWD? Yeah, PWD. Okay, so if you're getting 1600 a month, 1000 of that is going directly Every month, your tiny home until it's paid off, and then you get your full amount back because you know. So in ten years, you now own a tiny home, and now the, there are property owners out there going, "Hey, you know, we're an elderly couple, and we really can't cut the grass too much. But if we had someone on site, you know, we'd be willing to give there, but yep. we need to cover our property tax. So if the right. government, the same government, or the government, the federals and the departments has got together and said, "Okay, we're going to split this this responsibility. We're going to make sure that that disabled person or that single mom that was on the I'm trying sure to get RGI, we're going to give them a tiny home. They're going to have it in eight weeks. It's going to be built to their specs if they're if they're in a wheelchair or whatever the case. And the property owners have an incentive to yeah. have you somewhere." Okay, that sounds great. Uh, um, so and a shuttle bus. Yeah, there we be, are. Uh, yeah, because the, yeah. the alternative is like, uh, like you've said, Brent, is like, you know, the, the average rents now in Vancouver are $3,000 a month. So times yeah. that by 
12 months, that's $36,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so in 10 years, oh my gosh, you've, you've already spent 36 or sorry, $360,000, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, exactly. uh, that's a shitload of money for 10 yeah. years. Of, many homes yeah. that could be bought. Yeah. In, in, yeah. Uh, uh, time frame. But, you know, if, if you look at what the, the shelter, like, I mean, and that part we're going to dive into the next round table yeah. is we'll be talking about the shelter thing. And I know Cassandra, uh, I mean, I'm really uh, eminent about uh, that getting rid of that. I mean, the former ministry wanted to get rid of that too. I, I noticed what goes on in Ontario goes on in BC. A lot of the same policies, and we've kind of dived into that too before. But uh, I'll, throw, I'll throw a figure at you quickly. And then okay. and for, over for me in The Bachelor, in 12 months, I have spent fifteen thousand twelve hundred on on rent. Wow! In one year. Now yeah, I times that. I times that by say ten, 10 years. years, right? Because I said ten years. Yeah. That's one hundred and fifty-one thousand two hundred. That's enough for a tiny home, and that is not a cheap bottom end DIY. That's that's a that's a company like the ones in Montreal that's or the ones in the 30. states. Yeah, that's huge. That'd be a huge you tiny hole. You could get a twenty. You know, you could, you know, for that type of price, you could get a twenty by twenty by thirty, maybe twenty by forty. You know, small modular, you know, house or oh, space for that for that price. I mean, yeah. that's that's the insane part of, you know, if we were just given the money, we could yeah. go and you know say, oh well, I'm I can afford Show to buy money. this and I could live here. Right. Show me money. Show me another thing from about basic income kind of stuff. And I just put this in there is they also have stuff like land value tax as opposed to property tax and going after and getting speculation and, and rentaism out of the way so that it is easy to keep these costs low. Also, they had the thing in Finland where they helped people with getting housing. And I'm thinking, well, listen to this. And I'm like, well, what if the, if the provincial government wants unhoused, wants to stop having unhoused people? And I imagine they do. Why not do the same thing they do with a lot of other charity things? Meet people halfway. If it costs like a thousand, right? We'll cover five. You cover five. Rock and roll. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's all kinds of stuff you can do. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. And simplification is the is really the answer in all of this. And the problem yeah. is, is when you really look at it, is the government doesn't want to simplify because they realize yeah. the truth being is the truth, <laughs> the truth yeah. being is that they will be getting rid of you know, tens of thousands of government employees permanently, no! <laughs> right? permanently, which means, you know, like they're the NDP, these are yeah. union voters you're getting rid of. So you can't do this. But at the right? same time, there's also the Canadian Association of Social Workers. Yeah, they, don't want, they don't want the status. Remember, remember the example that uh, Jeff Leggett uh, had when he was last on and he said, you know, yeah. he, he he wanted to have one of, one of his teeth capped, right? Right. And, and and the ministry said, "Well, we'll pay we'll pay the seven hundred. I think it was what was seven hundred dollars or something to have your tooth pulled. Mm -hmm. but we're not going to pay to have it capped." And he says, "Well, says, well yeah. if you're going to pay seven hundred dollars for to pull my tooth, why don't you just give me the seven hundred dollars and then yeah. I'll use that to yeah. have my tooth. I'll use that portion to have <sighs> my tooth capped, and I'll pay yeah. the, I'll pay the extra." Yeah. And they're like, "No, yeah. you can't do that." Meanwhile, oh, if, yeah, if, 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 especially if it's like a molar or something, now you've got it's now you've so got these stupid. other problems. You've got these other problems for the yeah. fact you had your tooth pulled. So now they have to pay for this over helper. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, so, like, it's so I'll stupid. Give example. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Quick example on that one, then we'll go over to Joseph. But okay, so 
Um, this is going back some years. So I, I was in, when I was living in Langley, I had to go over toward uh, White Rock. So I went over to White Rock Dental. Okay. Yeah, I don't care if the government hears this or not, because it basically throws them both under the bus. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, I had to get a lot of dental work done, which I still do. I mean, I still do. I got put dental off because, yeah, well, money. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. so, <laughs> so this goes over to a, a dental plan. So the dentist says, okay, uh, Brent, hey, you know, we, he was a guy, he was a comic. He should be a comedian. I mean, like, really, he was like such an awesome dentist. Now, I'm scared of dentists. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, he says, I bet, Brent, I bet you want to put me right in the, in the chair that you're sitting in right now. And I'm sitting by, way back like this. You know, I'm sitting back on an angle here and, uh, you know, how the chairs kind of tilt back. He said, you're looking at the instruments. I bet you want to play with those, right? Put the dentist in the chair and go, hey, how does this work? Hey, Brent, he goes, <laughs> I go, you're starting to scare me, dar doc. He goes, well, what, I, what I'm trying to say to you is we need to, my job as a dentist is I need to save the teeth, not get rid of the teeth. Yes. I go, but the government wants to me to pull the teeth, right? I, I tell mm. the government, I want to save the teeth. The government, this patient needs his teeth so he can eat properly. He can, uh, you know, uh, preserve his health. And, and, and the dentist says to me, uh, so he wrote a letter, long story short is he wrote a letter as a treatment plan and he said in the letter <laughs> and i didn't memorize word from word of it but he says as as a as a dentist as a as a dent as a surgeon right i mean he always he's governed under under uh, you know surgeons and dental surgeons whatever it is uh, of bc now he says as uh, as a as a doctor uh, my job is to protect the uh, the patient's uh, health and well-being um and a, basically the person's health will deteriorate if they don't have the, the teeth. So I, I have a dental plan that I want to rebridge. I want to put in this and that. I want to, you know, uh, crown certain teeth that are very important to have. And Abe's going to use them as anchors to, to bridge over and, uh, and build these things. And you know, the, you know what they uh, told me to do? He says, take a copy and give it to your local MLA. So I, I give it to my local MLA at the time, which was, the uh, the government that was actually in power mm. at the time in bc and uh of course now they're the bc united party they were the bc liberal party but now they're the bc united party magic you know pink unicorns that change the names just poof, something different <laughs> but anyway whatever right ever i mean i'm not gonna do you know you know blame game back and forth on that um but they the said, the yeah. unicorn song is coming up later. So they told me, well, this seems like a really good idea. Um, you know, leave it with us. Um, why don't you go and talk to the opposition party? At the time, that was the NDP. Now they're in government. Okay? So they said, go and talk to, uh, go and talk to the, uh, the health critic. And that was the NDP. So I went over the health critic's office. You know, they told me, well... Do can I see your budget? Can I see your budget? Where is your money getting paid out to to see if we can maybe figure out some kind of plan for you? Even though we're not in government, did you talk to your MLA? I go, I did, and they're actually in Langley, but they told me to come and talk to you. Oh, that's kind of odd. Why would they come and tell you to talk to us? Because you, your health critic, is now our current health critic or our MLA in BC, which is uh, Adrian Dix, uh, Honorable Adrian Dix. He's the He's the minister, right? But I went to his office, but they told me to have a plan in place of a budget. Oh, well, you could probably cut here and there to cover that cost. I go, 
there's over tens of thousands of dollars of work that he needs to do. And he says, Brent, unless you're going to win the 649, this is not going to happen. Yeah. Unless you want to be my job. I mean, we could change places. You could be the doc and I could be the patient and you're going to make my money. But reality is it's not going to happen, is it? I go, no. So the government needs to work with you. And guess what? I, so I submitted the claim in and they came back and said, sorry, we declined your request for dental procedure because it would it, because uh, you're not going through pain and suffering at this time. And they <laughs> said, but, but if you were, if you were, we would do it. But but unfortunately, uh, the healthcare does not cover um, all the other stuff. That hey, you cop, to do. Up, uh, yeah. yeah, I've got to get. <laughs> How many just a second. Go you get your friend Bob moment. here with the crowbar to fix your face, yeah. right? Yeah. Why, like, why is there heavens, why is right? there more why is there more care about protecting abused dogs? Yeah. And then they're then they're I mean, you know, people can get thrown in jail for abusing a dog or a cat. Yeah. So so yeah, so the dentist says, uh, so they turned it down and he was so mad because he actually had got the feedback. They called me, so I went in because they had they actually got to know first. So I went in and he goes, So basically they want me to rip out every freaking tooth of your mouth, basically. And then then they'll say, Sure, you can have a pair of dentures, but we're only gonna cover one, not both. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. my God. He goes, oh. he says, yeah. he goes, yeah. he says, you know, you, you, we got to get them in here on the same page there, bud. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my point is uh, give people a livable income. They can make yeah. their healthier choices. They can try to protect their teeth or well, what it was. I mean, I, when I was a kid, my dentist, uh, <laughs> he's retired now. So if he heard this, he'd be like, God, Joe, how can you say it? He would mistaken as a as a buckle on a tooth. He would think that it was a she was a calcium buildup. He thought it was a cavity. Ooh, so he started filling teeth, filling teeth. And guess what? Over time, they fragment and they break off. Well, I was eating one time. I was eating a banana. I mean, you're supposed to eat something healthy. Eat a banana, sure. No, eat an orange, an apple. Also, crunch. Oh, that was kind of crunchy. I hey, that apple is not supposed to be that crisp. <laughs> Well, guess what? I'm crunching down on a freaking tooth. Oops. Uh oh, you know. <laughs> See, Go the dentist. Is, the, you know, and this is where, you know, the idea of being able to, you know, have direct access to the health insurance. Yeah. You know, right? It would solve a lot of problems. This is where, with my idea of universally available basic income, you'd have that option to be able to opt in on the health insurance, which would be yep. part of the group insurance. You know, mm-hmm. and the group insurance would operate probably between multiple different health insurers or we'd create a new one, you know, either way, I don't care how we'd solve the problem. The problem, you know, is this is just a prime example of how the government keeps getting in the way to go and decrease somebody's health even further when they're on disability or they're disabled, make it so that in the end, they're spending even more money on this individual in their health care and years down the road. Exactly. That's the problem example of of that you know that that equation of what i mentioned it's uh and i mean other people going through a lot worse than what i'm going through i'm sure but it's it's a situation where it could actually be solved easily solved and uh and it's not Um, the powers to be don't want it solved they want the status quo jack layton said to me said the reason that there are so many people who are homeless and so many people are in that are not eating and being fed and housed is that there's too much profit in poverty. Yeah. Remember, yeah. remember what hardcore. That was Jack Layton, right? Yeah. 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 It's, uh, 
How many jobs it's would the be lost? Deadbeats. Yeah. Bar- I mean, how, how many jobs? You know, how many jobs would, and would they be lost? Yeah. Right? How yeah. many lost jobs would be lost in the entire system? You know, we're, we've mentioned food banks already. We've mentioned workers in the government multiple times. I mean, then there's the, the job assistance programs with like the employment oh. services branches, the, the job offices, the yeah, job banks. <laughs> You've got, you know, in all these other programs and all these other things that have been put together because yeah. you got to go and have this government and these nuances and all the rest of this stuff to sit here to make things even worse for people. Yeah, and then they yeah, and then the government basically gives these nonprofits all this money to do research to determine well, how do we make it more accessible? I mean, you look at hundreds of thousands, and then it adds up to millions and millions and hundreds millions. And then I go, oh my god, all this money! Um, you know, you can imagine all the money that's getting paid out in all these other organizations where it can go into the hands of a person with a disability. And with that being said, I'm gonna move it over to. Joseph, as much as I'd love to hear all these more of our discussions, we will go into more of that uh, in the next Joseph segment. Get, Joseph gets Joseph, the last word. Yeah, so Joseph, <laughs> so we got um, the latest stats I was reading. I've uh, been reading in depth. So there's 450,000. This is going to blow people's mind. There's 450,000 people that came into Canada as, as immigrants. And then there's asylum, uh, asylum seekers where there's a million that's right. A million yeah. that they can't track. They can't track. How yeah. can you not track a million? Not, 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 not only that, but hold on. Yeah. There's not only that, but there's international students that they haven't yeah, been able to that. track because because the schools are bringing them in through provincially, right? But right. here's the thing. There was a recent report just yesterday that said if it was not for immigration, we would already be in a recession. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually may have very well immigration may have very well saved our economy because of the amount of people that were generating jobs and generating income versus the amount of people that would wouldn't be right but, but right. it's not you generating rem- the GB, G, gdp though right yeah so yeah. we have to remember we've we're now over 40 million right as a population in canada but yeah. During the last census, there was only 38.9 million. Mm-hmm. So it's over 1 million just since the census two years ago. Right. So, which is it, that's not necessarily a bad thing, though. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a bad thing. And it very, very well have saved our economy because of the amount of immigration that was coming in. Because it, they have to, and I'll tell you why. Children, zero to 14 years of age that are not working age, only 15.6% of our population. Wow. Wow. That's now That's working insane. age, which is 15 to 60 or 65, right? Uh, when I'm looking at the demographics, they break it down by tens, right? Fives or tens. So up to 60. So between all of them, 22.8 million people are working age out of 40. Do you know what that leaves you with? 9.9 million seniors over 60. So that's 25% of our population. One in four already over 60. And another 13% that's between 50 and 60. My gosh. 
Yeah. Right. And this is why in 10 years, in 10 years, we are going to have over 38% of our population will be over 60 years old. We need immigration because we don't have enough children to keep filling all the jobs that we have created. We as a society demand jobs, 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 jobs. Well, those jobs need to be filled. Well, you can't fill those if you don't have the demographics and don't have the population to do it. And so we got people and and Canada was built on immigration. No offense, unless you're Aboriginal and unless you are, you know, Native Canadian that, you know, goes back 200 bloody years of heritage Guess what? You're a descendant of an immigrant, so stop complaining. Yep. My entire household is descendants of immigrants, one one generation removed. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of uh, immigrants um, in my building, uh, some really super nice people. Uh, and the stories that I get to hear, and some, you know, some of them are disabled, some of them are seniors, some of them are just working, you know, just working individuals that are just doing the best they can. Um, but they all tell me the same thing, like, Canada can do so much better. And, and this is coming from some other people from other countries. They, they say economically, they need to be taking care of their citizens that are here too. So when you, when and, you look at the, the demographic numbers, right? The reason mm-hmm. why I have a problem with universal basic income is just because of the gross cost, right? The upfront cost of it. Mm-hmm. No offense, but for those 22.8 million working age not the retirees, not the children coming in, just the working age population. That's five hundred billion a year for two thousand dollars a month. A trillion dollars a year for four thousand a month. Well, our federal budget is four hundred to five hundred billion for the entire federal budget. My gosh. So when we propose a UBI at $2,000 a month, you can expect it to exceed one and a half times the federal budget up front. Now, yes, MJ is correct. There's going to be a lot of programs that are going to be clawed back. There's going to be a lot of you know, savings from administrative and, and things like that. The thing is, is that upfront cost is what the politicians are just not going to do. They're not going to deflate the dollar without the outlook and the numbers to support it afterwards. And the economists don't really want to give that because they're more profitable off of poverty. So we're at a catch-22 there. We need a stepping stone. And that's what GLBI is. It's a stepping stone. The Canadian economy isn't enough dollar-wise to catch everybody up to poverty line. It just isn't big enough yet. Yet. But if we have a GLBI and a stepping stone, so, okay, so maybe the first five years, we're going to bring it in on scenario one, where only eight to 10 million people in Canada are going to qualify for it because of the 50% clawback. But then another five years down the road, we'll go up to scenario two and include the whole middle class and more people. And then another five years later, we'll go to scenario three. And then another 10 years later, we'll go to universal. If we did that, a politician, the, the politicians and the parties may get on board with that, but to do it slam dunk in one year at a trillion dollars, I mean, I, I just don't see the politicians selling that. 
Mm-hmm. See, and that's the why the whole federal budget is five hundred billion. When the whole federal budget is five hundred billion, you cannot sell a, a program that's twice the entire federal budget when we can't even give two percent of GDP to our military without it being a hot topic. So mm. we we're, just we're, need to we need to make sure that we get that stepping stone with DERB and with GLBI and with, you know, if we did a UBI at $500 a month, that's $125 billion just for the working age. Now you're talking $200 billion just for everybody at $500 a month. And what's going to happen with that? If you give it universally at $500 a month, the landlord's going to raise your rent 200 your groceries are going to go up 50. Your hydro bill is going to go up 30. Why? Because they know how much of a percentage of your income they can increase it. Mm. They know that if you're going to get that extra $500 a month, everybody's getting that extra $500 a month. Where with GLBI, your, your landlord doesn't know if you're actually getting it. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah, that's it. Your, your, your social worker doesn't know where your income is coming from because it's GLBI. It's guaranteed livable basic income. Everybody gets it. There, there is no um, stigma against it because it's one general source. It's the federal government, government of Canada on your pay slip, on your direct deposit form, not you know ODSP where the landlord goes, oh, well, you're disabled. So I know in 10 years I'm going to have to put a lift in or I'm going to have to do stairs or I'm going to have to do some kind of form of accessibility. So I don't want to rent you. Because I know for the next 10 years, you can't do a pay raise because I know the government's not going to raise your check. So I know you're not going to raise your rent. The the other thing, the problem with rents, and the reason why rents are so high is because people have the mentality that, oh, hey, inflation's 4%, so I need to raise the rent 4%. Well, now you're raising the rent 4%. Well, guess what? That is 30% of the person's income. So now you just really raised it 12% inflation. And this is where the problem has gotten out of hand, is that our rent increases have gone up exponentially over top of our, our income raises. And so now we've driven it to the point where the federal government or the provincial government or whatever can't even afford to take care of the rents for the people anymore because they're so expensive. Because people expect that inflationary is going to be equal value to the rent that it is to the groceries. Yeah. And this is why we need this is why we need a part three. So yeah, and and, you know, uh, just to uh, do a a rebuttal on on that part, Joseph is in the case. So this year, uh, rents uh, the rent increase for any tenants that are currently in their current units. Okay, it's gone up two percent. Okay, so if for twenty twenty three, the government in BC just announced, still I think just about what a couple months ago. They announced that uh, for 2024, uh, for January 1st, 2024 onward, it's going to be going up, uh, rent's going to be going up for current tenants in their units up to 3.5%. Landlord BC, this year, they wanted it to be to go up to what inflation rate was at uh, uh, 6.9%. Uh, next year, uh, it was actually, uh, I guess, the same thing. Now they got yeah, mad. They're nuts for doing it. They're nuts for doing it. I know. We 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 sit here and say that inflation is you know inflation is everybody's problem. No offense, Brent, but yep. if you need yep. an extra dollar Jesus. to afford something tomorrow, right? You're going to ask for an increase that's going to cause inflation. Same thing for the person who is got wages. 
right? They yeah. ask for a rent, a wage increase, that's inflation. Inflation is the increase in the value. It does not, like, or yeah. the demand they, for that value. Well, they, well, they, want, not, they want, yeah, but they wanted the inflation and, to go up. The landlord BC wanted the inflation to be up at 6.9, and the government BC said, no, no, no. They said, we'll keep it at that no. you know, level. Yeah. Because the, the more that you have a rent increase, it, it, it's exponentially more than just the inflation that the person gets on their paycheck. Listen, yeah. when I was working my unionized job before this office work, right? Yeah. 3% raise every year was always negotiated for us. We'd always get 3% more, right? Yeah. Inflation 6.7. Yeah. But my contract's always 3%. Right. Now, you think maybe I should just quit my job, move on, right? Mm -hmm. I've made a career out of this for 10 years. Yeah. And everybody's at the same rate. It's it's a collective bargaining agreement. It's not right. like, you know, I get to pick and choose my rate. So do I give up my career and do I tell all the other thousands of people to do it to go give up their career just to move on? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's uh, you know what's um, actually well, what we're gonna do is we'll um, on the next round table we're gonna dive into about uh, vacancy control. But I'll, I'll quickly uh, before I you know we dive into that on the next uh, session, I'll end the comment um, on this one. Then we'll do closing comments. But what is your view on it? And then what I do is I'll continue on the next round table and we'll continue on that topic. But what is your view on? vacancy control of a current tenant in a current unit so if i were to say move okay to another unit across the hall in the same building now my my unit becomes vacant and now i, I think it's perfectly i think it should be perfectly legal and i think it should be perfectly mandated by every single province in this country that you need to provide proof of what the last tenant was paying for the unit Right, because I, I can give you need you to provide example. proof. You need to provide either the lease or a receipt showing what they paid. Proof, right? Not just look at them and say, "Oh, yeah, they paid twenty two hundred a month, so I'm going to give it to you for twenty three hundred a month." I'll give you an no, example. No. Yeah. Proof. Yeah, I'll so give you an example though. By just... either a registry or proof, right? So I this a... way, the tenant makes sure that they don't overpay. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. I had um, some other uh, young little punks that, <laughs> well, they got themselves evicted because they refused to pay the rent. So they like to party up. So, I mean, that's it. I mean, they're young. They, they, they found out the hard way. But, of course, the management company, they loved it. They loved it because, hey, they were only paying $1,250. Now, they were only paying, I mean, which is too high anyway, in my view. So they moved. Uh, and they did no work on the unit. No, no, no. They just puffered up the wall, sanded it down. No painting, just puffered it up. And uh, went up to sixteen hundred dollars. Sixteen hundred. Now the, the guy I bumped into, uh, you know, and I bumped him one day, and I guess he you know knew somebody in the building. Uh, I haven't seen him ever since. He says, "Hey, uh, how much did my unit go for?" I go, "I, <laughs> you'll never guess, man." I goes, "Well, I keep right. Can you please tell me?" I go, "Hey, you didn't hear from me. Management would never admit that." Sixteen hundred. Say what? I go, and they did no work on your unit. They told me they were going to be doing work on my unit. I go, they lied. They changed the lock, though. Shocker. I go, they, and that, yeah. they can classify that by changing the lock. That's full renovation. Bada bing. And now they can use that as a business expense for 
for uh, as a deductible as renovations. See, so, this yeah. is where ownership makes a lot more sense. That's because they get away yeah. with that. That's because they get away with uh, any business expense to say there's a renovation because there's yeah. no defined word of renovation. Like, how much do you need to increase the value of the property for count as a renovation? That's well, the kind of well, laws that they need. Well, we we pay fourteen hundred and twelve dollars and seventy cents in our unit. Okay, they they nickel that right to that penny. I mean, my God, like, couldn't you not round it down? Uh, but no, no, they can't round it up. They're not legally allowed to go up. So like that weird amount next year, is going to be a weird amount. It's going to be like 13 cents. So how do you divide that 13 cents in half? I mean, one person's going to be... Yeah, I mean, like, but the government's going to be all confused on that. Going to say, okay, so I guess one person's going to pay one penny more, one person less. Like, yeah. Well, this is, this, is where, this is where the whole rental thing really is not, not beneficial to... You know, in a way, it's not really beneficial to society. You yeah. know, in the long term, property ownership makes, you know, and or unit ownership or owning a mobile home or whatever, or a condo or whatever you own, right, yeah. makes a lot more sense. You but know, we move I, out of here, though, uh, MJ. If we move out of here, they're going to get 1750 for this unit. That's the going price right now. And when I asked, yes, the I know. When I asked the management company, I said, So are you firm on that? Well, that we, we want to get the most potential uh, amount for our stakeholders. So that's what it's about. And I said, I see. So if you can't rent it, if you're sitting vacant, are you still making money? Absolutely. Or making money on the value of the actual land. So what the assessed value on paper, what it says. And, and so we use that as we can put that money into investments of saying, well, that's the money. So we can borrow on that amount and we can now reinvest into other properties. Yeah. And then when a, when a tenant now moves into there, if the market value in the geographical area needs higher, we can actually go even higher than that, seventeen fifty. I said, well, okay. I mean, so they, that, they said, you know, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'll quickly uh, one more quick comment, and I'll pass it over to you. Uh, well, I was going to say, Brent, I'm going to lose my studio pretty soon, so I think okay. your comment should be the last comment, and then we'll punch up okay, with some song. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, no, I'm actually pretty well done with it, but I mean, there's yeah. another unit in here. It's going for over two thousand, so I was shocked. But uh, yeah. <sighs> um, so uh, Tom's going to play us a uh, tune to end the segment. Um, everyone has any last comments before we go over to Tom, and then we'll go to uh, round three uh, next week. Let's Money for, for nothing. I get, I get <laughs> that one, but let's, was okay. Let's so play thinking, it out. I was I was thinking um I I did one derb song so here's the other one. Crack that whip. <laughs> there you go. Give the brother slip. Step on a crack. Break your mama's back. When the brothers come along, you must serve it. Oh, the creeps is not too long. You, you must, must serve it. it. And if something's gone too wrong, you, you must, must serve it. Observe it. Into shape. shape it up. Get straight. Go forward. Move ahead. Or touch connected. It's not too late to whip it. Derby good. This is Derby. Derby good. When a good time comes around, you must serve it. You will never live it down unless you serve it. You know, get the, the show they serve it. I said, serve it. 
Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. And uh, stay tuned to uh, round three coming up next week. And each week we're going to be, unless there's other change, where we keep going up to different rounds at our roundtable discussions. If you would love to come on to our show, uh, reach out to myself, uh, weatherman.langley at gmail.com, or you can reach out to Neil and your uh, I, I'm at... Uh neiljm.nm at gmail.com and I'm not on Twitter, I'm writing on stone tablets. Stone tablets. Do it ten. Stone tablets stone for tablets. me. Tablets. It's like it's like it's like nobody's yeah. ever watched Mel Brooks history of the world. And please uh, everybody this guy, this guy don't forget to three tablets and drops one. And uh and uh, Joseph has a uh, has a uh, comment for everybody. Don't forget to sign the petition at derb.ca. There's two petitions. Done. Three, actually. 4519, 4550, and one with New, me new Mode Media. Thank you very much, yeah. and, uh, uh, Joseph, and everybody for tuning in today. I look forward to our next discussion. Reach out. You yeah. want to be the next guest Send me on the details. Go between the, uh, uh, basically the roundtable. Uh, definitely would love to have you on. And stay tuned for our uh, upcoming guests. Yeah. And that'll be a surprise. I, I'll be in for the next one.